Hey everyone, it's 7.30 uh, Eastern. Welcome to a, just a, uh, a basic weekly wrap-up of Colin. We've done a few of these this week. Um, so I, I'm over it. You're over it. We're all over each other. Uh, so I thought we'd just wrap something up with casual, just a um, open topic AMA. Obviously, events of the week still on Biden's student loan abuse of power, which he should be impeached over. I may be writing more about that somewhere with a... Uh, a very large how you say following. Um, we also have this week with the fact that the uh, the Wall Street Journal and both the Washington Post came out against this uh, pretty much cynical, regressive move. The New York Times kind of came to the rescue a little bit today, uh, citing faults with those two analysis. Um, it clearly did not go the way that I think the White House thought this would be accepted. So therefore... They decided to jump in and steal some left-wing memes about people who had taken PPP loans, which are not the same thing and nowhere near the same thing as forgiving student loan debt. Uh, I said on my podcast today that uh, the White House account and the White House going after people who took PPP loans after our government forced them to close their business and now is using that to dunk on them and shame them uh, – is about as close to uh, me going full revolutionary as it's as I've been in a while. Uh, I'm hard pressed to find something that has gotten under my skin as much as this has. Um, I'm not quite Timothy McVeigh sitting on the hood of the car watching the Waco compound go up in flames, but I'm close. And this idea that you know you have a federal government that, through the CDC recommendations, forced businesses to close. People had to take out uh, a loan. Uh, which was not to be paid back, provided they used it on payroll. It stipulates it right there in the text of the bill that was passed by Congress, including Democrats now using that. And it signed as an extension by Joe Biden just last year. And the idea that they are now using that, that same government is using that to somehow go after people who did that is, uh, it's enraging a little bit. Um, Another thing that's kind of going on, and I've noticed this kind of in the background, is a lot of talk about what's going on with some of the GOP candidates. Uh, I, I guess the GOP is pulling out of Arizona to help Blake Masters. I don't know if that's – I just saw that through reports. Um, Oz seems to kind of be on, on the upswing a little bit because he finally started talking about what he should be talking about, which is shotgun Frankenstein's health. Um, if you saw that he got – uh, he made a kind of a, a quip about if John Fetterman had ever been around a vegetable in his life, he wouldn't have had a stroke. And a lot of people poo-pooed that. Um, I would argue that his stroke is absolutely fair game when he is trying to make public appearances and can't string together a sentence. This is not the John Fetterman you see in ads. It's not the one you see on Twitter. Um, this is clearly someone who should not be running for the United States Senate, but he's decided to. He won his primary, so everything, in my opinion, is fair game. I think there are ways you can go about this. Uh, I think I suggested that it wasn't so much that they made the joke about the, the vegetable it, or the stroke. It's that how he framed it. I would have framed it more like uh, the only vegetable John Fetterman has been around lately is the one he sees in the mirror. I would have been a little bit more clever with it. Um, but Oz seems to kind of be up on an upswing because he's attacking exactly where he should be attacking. I've kind of looked at some of these ads. I've looked at some of these local now races, and I'm I'm wondering where the ads on Democrats and governors and senators masking kids 
is. I'm wondering why they aren't hammering the pandemic response, that these are the people who kept your kids out of school. These are the people who continue to want you in a mask. These are the people, you know, who locked you down. There, there seems to be some distance between what Republican candidates should be talking about and they should be remembering that kind of righteous anger they felt six, seven, eight, nine months ago, and still some of these cities probably still feel today. And I find the uh, the lack of the candidates embracing that righteous anger a little bit, not talking about those issues, uh, I think that that's where some of them might be floundering. So that's just another thing that was kind of in the back of my head a little bit. Um, as I said, every day... Oz's campaign should be on Twitter reminding people that John Fetterman cannot speak and that he chased down a black person with a shotgun. Um, and that should be his campaign. So I, I don't think there's anything that's, you know, beyond the pale with that. Um, it's certainly not Fetterman's fault that he had a stroke, but he's decided that he's going to make that a part of his campaign. And if I'm Oz, I'm challenging Fetterman to six, three hour long debates and watch him say no to that. And why it's a pretty serious thing that this is a guy who, you know, he, he's going to become a U.S. senator. He has to go to Washington. He has to read legislation. He has to work long hours. So it it looks to me like we're, you know, sending him and his, you know, his wife is, is a master blaster team from Bartertown to kind of go be in the U.S. Senate. And that's not what that's for. So those are just some things that I've recognized and, and seen this week as well. But like I said, it's open topic. Um, we'll go probably for an hour unless nobody wants to jump in and call, in which case we'll wrap this up really short and this will be a fun, quick episode. Uh, Zach's already up there. I'm just going to go ahead and jump in. And like I said, um, feel free to jump in. If you guys decide to jump in and call in, uh, just again, mind that there's sometimes people behind you. If there's no one behind you, this will just be the Zach show, I guess. Um, and also just, uh, do me a favor and mute your microphone. If you're not talking, um, part of that's just to cut down on the noise for people listening. And then also the part of it is that is I get distracted easily. So, um, anyway, Zach, I know we just did this, but what's on your mind tonight? Um, PTSD from PPP loans. Uh, yeah, because, I think, um, I think you're with a lot of people. Have- I think that that is going to backfire. So bad for 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 this White House for dunking on people who were forced to take out something so they they could keep their employees fed and not kicked out of their houses and um, for the life of me I can't understand why they think they're doing this but sorry go ahead but I'm I'm uh, with you I'm I have that eye twitch behind you know my head on this one I'm it's enraging. Um, well, for me, it's partly because we had to help clients prepare applications and get, you know, their financial statements and everything that were required. And um, it was all done through the SBA, which is maybe the worst run agency in D.C. Um, They're much worse than the IRS, if you need to believe that. Um, So it was a lot of well, are we supposed to do A or B? And they, anytime you got somebody, they'd be like, we don't know. What do you think? And what do you, I mean, so, so when you're, so when you're seeing this, that, for people, I mean, this this is a good thing to lead off on. So if you if you help people prepare the paper for a PPP loan, tell, explain to people why 
taking PPP is nowhere in the same realm as somebody who took out a student loan. Well, um, because a PPP loan, like you said, it was because the government uh, through the CDC had recommended that, uh, you know, these businesses be closed. Um, you know, and you had, well, you, you bring up Fetterman and Oz, but in Pennsylvania, they closed what they called non-essential businesses, but there was no definition for what was essential and what was non-essential. So like cabinet making was considered essential because the governor, the governor, his family owned a large cabinet making business. Um, and so these businesses that were forced to shut down, they were allowed to take a PPP loan to continue paying their employees. And I'm going to mute myself and yell at a dog real quick. <laughs> that one wasn't that distracting. Um, yeah, it's, this is one of, while you're doing that, this is one of the kind of dishonest claims. Like nobody forced you to shut down. And we're hearing this like, no, it wasn't the federal government. No, this came from the CDC. And you had most of the governors, and this came from, obviously came from the CDC, and then it came directly from Fauci, and you had most of these governors. And, of course, Trump took that recommendation. And so you had these governors saying, oh, shit, we need to close down because it's a CDC thing. And you had a couple, you had a few that said, well, we're not going to fucking do that because we have our own experts. And this doesn't look to be like that. And then those governors were labeled as murderers. And so there is this retconning of history going back two years to about how that all happened and why it happened and why it went down. And during all of this, you had, you know, Andrew Cuomo all over NBC and CNN, and you had Gretchen Whitmer all over, you know, NBC and, and CNN. And over on Fox, you had Tucker Carlson showing business owners who were like, what the fuck am I supposed to do here? And that really, to me, also shows you kind of the the gulf that exists between what how Fox does things with their opinion programming and how MSNBC and CNN do it with theirs. Um, but there is this retconning and it's happening with this administration. You know, this started as a few shit posters on Twitter. And then of course um, this woman, I think her name is Megan Coyne who works for digital platforms to the white house picked up on it. And then it made itself to the, it made its way to the white house account. And then it made its way to the briefing room today and you can tell, like, these guys don't even believe this shit. This is them deflecting over something that looks like it, it, it wasn't as popular as they thought it would be coming out of the gate. Yeah, yeah. And, and uh, I think most people, you know, there, there are some that are um, extremely obtuse and dishonest. And they typically work for media companies. And, you know, they're pretending that $300,000 for, you know, feminist film study degree is the same as, you know, a small business taking out a fourteen dollars or $15,000 loan so the employees could buy food after they were made to shut down. Um, and, and so, yeah, I saw one person... Actually, on my Facebook posted that, and I just responded and said, these two things are not like each other. Please don't give me a migraine today. And so they didn't um, they didn't argue with me. But, yeah, I, uh, it was a it was an attempt at a gotcha. And it was just it was a bad attempt. I mean, that grasping at straws. Um, 
Yeah, and this this to me is, like I said, this is as close to going full Schlichter on a topic that I've been. It's it's you know I had a tweet that went, and, and I know that it's probably rattling around with other people because I said I had a tweet where I said, you know, wait, you're you're closing my business, you're forcing me to close. If I stay open, you're sending you know, the sheriff's department to come shut me down where I could lose my license like we saw in New York and several other places. That was the other thing. They, they make it sound like you could have kept it open. Like we, we saw that from Nicole fucking Hannah Jones today who said, you know, you could have kept it open or you should have saved money, you know, to, to prepare for this and, and the likes. And it is so goddamn dishonest and they know they're being dishonest. That's, that's the thing that gets under my skin on this. They know what they're doing is dishonest. But they're also forgetting the fact that if you tried to open your business, you got you had the sheriff's department or the police department showing up at your door and cordoning it off and saying, nope, you're done. And you risked losing your license for if you operate at a bar or, or a restaurant or what have you or a liquor store or whatever. And they're somehow just memory holding that one as well. And like I said, for... The f- for the government to do that and then basically say, oh, by the way, we're, we're going to keep your name in a database. And should should you ever object to any of this stuff, we, we might just pull your name out and, and dunk on you on Twitter using the official White House account. It's it's as offensive as anything Donald Trump ever posted. And the fact that it came from the official White House account, um, I don't think that that's going to go over as well as people in the media are thinking, oh, look at this. Here, look what they're doing. They're dunking on Marjorie Taylor Greene and they're dunking on – they dunked on some congressman who I saw whose family owned a car dealership who they took a PPP loan to basically – because those guys worked on commission and they closed car dealerships. I think it was even in Pennsylvania that they did that. And they, they now you have the White House dunking on him. When you're dunking on him, you're dunking on you know the fact he took a loan to pay his employees – and, you know, you're talking about restaurants that had to pay 20, 30, 30, 40 people to, to just keep these people in their in their houses or keep them having food, even though maybe their rent got suspended. And for then to turn around for this White House and then turn around and use that is, uh, like I said, it's 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 the closest to coming to like raising the Gadsden flag and smelling gunpowder in a while. Uh, this this really brings it out of me. And I don't think it's going to, I think normal people see this and go, okay, also you just hired what 80,000 IRS agents and Nikki Haley's taxes got leaked today. And so people, I think, see this going on and it's like, yeah, this is not an administration who's looking out for me or looking out for my job or looking out for my family because they they could turn around and do this at any second. So um, there is there, like I said, there's a retconning of history happening here where they, they make, they're making you believe like, well, you never had to take the loan. And it's just like people didn't really, there was fraud obviously with this, but most, most honest people didn't take this loan because they wanted to. They took it because they had to. There was a provision in it that said it, that if you, if you spend it on payroll for employees for their personal expenses, it does not have to be paid back. It was all priced in. And it has nothing to do with voluntarily taking out student debt. The other thing that's interesting today, we just saw Bill de Blasio, the former mayor of New York, has taken a role at Harvard as a teaching course for $76,000 a year. And of course, this administration won't address suddenly how that raises tuitions because their largest donor base are is academia. And so that that's why we're ending up where we are. Yeah, yeah. And, and I'll, I'll 
jump off at this, um, but um, I, I worked at a university for a little over five and a half years. And during my time there, I saw, you know, all of a sudden we had a new vice president and then we had, you know, a VP of diversity and inclusion. And I'm not going to say anything about his qualifications, but we would get emails from this person and he could not write a complete sentence like with proper English. And he had a doctorate in education, same thing as uh, the first lady does, but his emails, they were written like a freshman student. And it, it, it gave me a headache. And then when I realized what he was making, it made me want to cry and vomit at the same time. Was it over six figures? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, this was a a small college in Arkansas. And, you know, all that goes into tuition. It has to be paid somehow. And so um, now it's even it's even more, you know, there are more vice presidents and um, assistant you know, like assistant to the regional manager. That's the that's the joke from the office. That's a reality in most colleges. Like, yeah, yeah, and so. But that was, um, but that was up to Mitch McConnell to fix, is what we also saw this week. It's it, we and we saw this from the White House press briefing room today when Jackie Heinrichs, who I said on my podcast, is the only reporter doing her job on this, at least in the White House, where she said, you know, you're you, you're using this loophole from a 2003 act meant to help out military families and uh, of course it also has the disaster provision in it and she said are you comparing student loan uh borrowers to to military families and uh, i forget this guy's name um and i don't want to mispronounce it out or being accused of being racist or whatever but he said uh you know he he then goes talking about how you know, what are these people supposed to do? They want a degree and they can't afford because college has gotten so expensive. And right there is where a reporter should stop him and say, why has it gotten so expensive? (laughs) Like what, you know, why? Like, and so whomever the next president is, the next GOP president is going to have to come in here. And like you said, is, you know, it goes against everything in my libertarian instincts, but they just, they're going to need to just tax the living shit out of endowments. And they're going to need to basically, figure out a way to put universities on the hook for some of this stuff. And of course they'll get pushback and uh, the media will scream. This is anti-academic and stuff like that. But they also just need to keep highlighting the ridiculous, the ridiculousness of some of these degrees and stuff like that. I, I think that that's another line that the, you know, some, someone at some outlet, like a reporter should start going down and looking at how some of these degrees are offered. We just saw one offered, I think, I don't, I don't know, was it Brown University or somewhere where they said they're offering a degree in Beyonce song studies? And it's just like, you have to be kidding me. And, I mean, it really is. That's, that's, that's who, you know, immigrant families are going to be bailing out. That's who poor urban families are going to be bailing out. That's who people who didn't go to college are going to be bailing out. And, you know, it took the New York Times to kind of try to push back on that today. They didn't do a very good job of it. 
But like, even when the Washington Post and the Wall Street Journal are both just going, this is very fucking bad. On top of, you know, on top of Obama's lead economic advisor, Jason Furman, who led his economic council, um, it really is just they did this to just throw something at the Lululemon base to get to the next election. That was really pretty much it. Yeah, yeah, and um, and I, I, I saw where you'd mentioned that that there was some bad polling for GOP candidates. And so I'll say this and then I'll jump off and and not take up any more time, but um, I would be very wary of polls. Yeah. I don't, I don't, because I'm not, I'm not, I'm not putting too much weight in them. It's something as a casual outside advisor or I'm sorry, observer, not advisor. um, They wish, they wish I was being an advisor right now. Cause I would be, I, I, I would be sending people around Pennsylvania in like, 16th century straw hats with torches and pitchforks at every Fetterman thing and like just yelling at him like he's the the village monster and uh that that's what I would be doing right now at this point like and not that he pokes his head up once more than every three and a half weeks but my god they even frame this video of him outside the union headquarters as conservative media is passing around this video and it's like why aren't you passing around the video Yeah, um, dude is. I mean, it's crazy. Like, guy can't, and not even in the sense of Biden. Like, he clearly has a health problem, and he clearly should not be running. As I said, if I'm Connor Lamb, I keep my I keep my campaign infrastructure intact until election day. Well, um, you know, obviously John Fetterman, he can't talk now, and when he could talk, he did an interview where he basically said. Well, you can't shout fire in a crowded theater. And so I just assumed the guy was a fucking idiot and I quit listening to him then. <laughs> and I think I made the right decision. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm not putting, uh, again, a ton of stock in polling, but th- there is that kind of negative. The other thing, I'm one of these people where I'm convinced that, you know, a subsection of media is doing this on purpose to suppress turnout and enthusiasm. And so we're going to get a lot of that anyway. But um, it, it, there's there's some stuff, there's some... There is some warnings out there. The RNC just fired their communications director today. So there, there's, there's all is not well under that tent uh, as much right now. Craig, uh, comments on anything you saw this week? As I said, it's AMA. You can even be goofy, uh, anything that I set up. But uh, AMA means ask me anything or almost anything. So uh, we're just kind of having a casual one for this Friday night. Can you hear me? Yeah, go ahead. I'm standing in Lowe's. I hope the guy next to me doesn't think I'm a wild person. Um, what are you getting at Lowe's, Craig? Uh, I had a kitchen remodel, and they put uh, the water valve for the fridge in the wall. Oh. And the hose on my fridge is a different size than the valve they put in. Oh. So I got to buy 17 different dongles and hope I'll buy the right one. And you, and you, paid, for, and you paid them for that, huh? Oh, yeah. You know how it goes. Oh, that's great. <laughs> no, uh just one the one thing that I've been bitching about all week was the most insidious thing out of all of this is that everybody knows deep down that this loan thing isn't going to pass. It's going to get struck down eventually. And so you're going to have maybe 30 million people out there thinking, oh, I'm going to get 10 grand. And then they get to say, oh, no, it's the evil Supreme Court. And it's another another arrow in the quiver of expand the court, the court's racist, the court's all these other things. 
Yeah, I, I, I said earlier this week, I'm not convinced that that's not why he, you know, that's the reason he did it is saying, hey, it's similar to the eviction moratorium or the vaccine mandate, which is, hey, I'm going to do this or I'm going to at least say I'm going to do it. And then SCOTUS will strike it down and then he can say, hey, I tried. And you're right. It's an extremist Supreme Court who wants you drowning in debt, et cetera. Um, I'm not convinced it's going to get struck down. As I've talked to people throughout the week who are infinitely smarter than me, as as I've always said, uh, one of the things I try to be is I don't try to act smarter than I am on these issues. I talk to people who are more educated. I talk to people who have more experience. And I try to pass that kind of information on. I'm probably the only guy who appears on cable news who's not trying to appear like a constitutional lawyer. Um, But people who I've talked to this week aren't real sure it's going to get struck down and primarily because he's using he's using a law he's 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 using authority that was granted to him through legislation the 2003 heroes act which covers emergency declarations and as long as and this is and this is to me and i and i laid this out on my podcast or on the podcast today this to me is why he has to be impeached over this and he obviously won't be this year but perhaps next year is because as I said, he's dancing very close to Emperor Palpatine or Chancellor Palpatine territory here. And and I know that that's a stupid Star Wars analogy, but it is. That's, you know, he's using emergency powers granted to him through an emergency and while telling us we're not really in an emergency anymore. He's, tur- he's turning on and turning off this pandemic as it suits his policy. Uh, the other thing to me is he made, he says he's making, he's delivering on a campaign promise. And this is something I haven't seen a lot of people address where he's saying, I'm delivering on my campaign promise, but he's doing it under the guise of an emergency. So he's he's saying he's delivering on a campaign promise from over two years ago, but he's using something that is reserved for emergencies, which shouldn't be around two years ago, but it was, to justify this. And why this is so dangerous is because unlike other emergency declarations, like say a hurricane or a terror attack, uh, the event happens, so the hurricane will happen or the terror attack will happen, uh, you know, we have a week or two of, you know, mourning dead people, houses are torn down, whatever, buildings on fire, whatever, and then we rebuild it, and then we all kind of go back to our lives. Well, COVID isn't going away. It's going to be here this fall. It's going to be here next year. We're going to, everyone's going to catch it, and we're going to catch it multiple times, and this is going to go on and on and on. So it's a unique thing that they can exploit and just say, hey, as long as COVID's around, we're in a COVID emergency, so I don't have to tell you. And the only way that this is going to stop, the, the one way that this could be stopped by a judge is, and, I, and I'm writing about this at the Washington Examiner tomorrow, exactly about this, where Biden's just turning the pandemic on and turning it off as he sees fit. And uh, his administration argued in court, and I believe it was in Louisiana, uh, when they were trying to wind down Title 42 and a judge blocked it and said, no, we still need Title 42. So he went and argued, the Biden administration argued in a court of law that the pandemic emergency is over. And so we need to get rid of Trump's racist border law, basically, that he he, he used to justify shutting down the border. And if people remember, he got hit with that for the media as well. Um, when it's perfectly logical, if we're in a fucking pandemic and and this is what again people in our media did never ask Biden because they agree with it is how like how do you have a guy a tennis star not allowed to travel to the fucking country to participate in a tennis match because he's unvaccinated and yet we have thousands of people coming across the border and just like huh what's your status i don't know okay get on the bus and so the only thing that 
a couple of people I talked to said they, a judge could possibly block this on grounds of saying, well, we're not in a COVID emergency. You yourself, the Biden administration itself argued this in a court of law. And because you argue that Biden's pretense and the secretary of education, which is actually who's doing it, uh, the memos there, you can go read it uh, from Lisa Brown, who's White House counsel. And so they could say the pretense under which you are trying to do this under uh, is false because you yourself argued we're no longer in a, na- in, a, in a national emergency. So maybe that's it. But other than that, I don't see how this gets stopped. Uh, maybe a judge can try to block, but there's no standing to do that. So I agree with you that that's partly what Biden's thing was. So even if they stop it, he can now go out. And like you said, you're going to have 30, 40 million people who thinking they don't have to pay back their loans, which now you, of course, do. Um he, he, they said he's only extending the moratorium one more time to January. Well, we know that's not true. He'll do it again next year as well. And this is why I said he needs to be impeached over this, both as a signal to him that he can't do this. He cannot keep, you know, using, using the HEROES Act or using the pandemic emergency as he sees fit, but also to other presidents, you know, GOP or Democrat in the future who decide, hey, I can just use this COVID Act I can use this Emergency Heroes Act or uh, Declaration of 2003 to do anything I want. That could be a Republican, it could be a Democrat. And they need to know that based on the precedent of impeaching Joe Biden over it, and I don't think he gets removed in the Senate, but that's not the point. The point is the same reason that they did it to Trump, which to just put that asterisk by his name on Wikipedia forever, basically. But they need to signal that if you do this as a president, you're going to be impeached. And so if you want that, if you want to go down in history as an impeached president, and we may get to the point where that doesn't even matter in three or four presidents now, every president's going to be impeached over something. But they need to know that if that if you do this, you're going to you're going to be an impeached president. And like I said, I don't even care about the party on this. This is the only way that this is going to stop. And I think it's the first legitimate thing. People would argue Afghanistan. This to me is the first legitimate thing he should, he could and should be. I'm talking January 23rd when the Republicans take out the House. That's the first thing you do. You say, here's articles of impeachment of Joe Biden on abuse of power on the Heroes Act of 2003. And you, you put him on record and you just get it and you, and you do it and that's it. And I think that's the only way that this can be stopped for in, the, in the future. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm a little more optimistic about the Supreme Court, but... I'm with you on the skeptic. Yeah, I mean, it, no, it would the, go to the Supreme. I find myself it going, would go to the Supreme Court. I, I made your Schlichter reference yeah. to, to to a friend the other day who had no idea what I was talking about. Yeah, and, uh, chuckled to myself and said, oh, "Maybe I'm a little too online and need to get off." But yeah, go touch go touch some grass, Craig. Go go to go to Lowe's or something. You know, which which ironically, um, I'm standing in front of the grass seed right now. Oh, but, there you go. So. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I, even if it goes to SCOTUS, I mean, it, it would have to be blocked in lower court. I don't think SCOTUS just steps in and stops it. But even the ruling, I mean, John Roberts could end up citing 5-4 because he says, hey, we have precedent for this. What he did for Obamacare. He says, hey, this was part of a law that was passed by Congress in 2003. It clearly states the president has powers to do this under a national emergency. COVID still is under a national emergency. And therefore, what? hey, nothing I can do. I can completely see John Roberts doing that. And as I said yesterday, for the first time, I'm convinced this is why old man is walking around in a mask still. That has nothing to do with 
COVID and they're just trying to keep up the, the pretense of looking like we're in a national emergency so he can go ahead and pass these laws. So, or, you know, make these declarations or, or what have you. And so that's, that's as conspiratorial as I'm going to get, but he did it today. He, he, he was in a room full of people last night, no mask. And then today he's walking across the South fucking lawn by himself in a mask. And again, no one, as I said, this is my Frank Grimes issue where I just go, yeah, like, you know, it's right there. Like, why don't you ask him about this? So, um, you're more optimistic than I am on this one. So if it gets blocked or SCOTUS blocks it, you'll, you'll get the cake. Well, at least I know me and the other, however many of us are in here, are going to be joining you on the hill watching the city burn. When that Just goes trying down. to enjoy the warmth and the flames. Yeah. Right, exactly. So. All right, that's all I got. Good luck with your refrigerator, Craig. Hopefully you got the, you got the you. right one there. Mike, same same issue. It's, it's AMA, but it, whatever's kind of in your craw, whatever's on your mind, uh, Friday night casual, fire away. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, just a quick note on if SCOTUS blocks it or not. Didn't they block Trump's Muslim ban because he referred to it as a Muslim ban on Twitter like six, eight months before? So if they can do that, you would think that they could block Joe Biden's... Uh, emergency power just based off the fact like you've mentioned he's argued that it's uh not an emergency anymore for title 42 and it seems like he's done this two other times with the the rent moratorium and the vaccine mandate so maybe precedent since both of those got overturned says that this does as well but who who knows yeah i don't i'd have to go back i'm I'm trying to remember how you know, he, he definitely tried the rent moratorium under the national emergency thing. Yeah. Um, I, I don't remember. It was OSHA. It was something to do. With, I, I don't, I, and I don't want to yeah. miss it. But it was the. It was something to do with OSHA. OSHA had broad authority to, to declare, you know, public health zones and things like that. And then, of yeah. course, they figured out that there's no enforcement mechanism. OSHA isn't an army. You know, you're not going to be yeah. sending people in. So this, I mean, this to me looks feels different. Because there is, you know, there is that discretionary to to there is that regulatory power that the Secretary of of Education has. So it's not even necessarily Biden. It's just his administration said, you know what, we're not in a we're not in an emergency. And of course, like I said, Jackie Heinrich is the only person bringing these questions up where she said, you know, to Karine Jean Pierre said, you're taking credit for ending this virus. How do you campaign on shutting the virus down? And then two years later, you're invoking emergency powers because you haven't now yourself admitting the virus isn't shut down. And again, if we had a competent, even semi-competent media, this would be the question that they would be getting every single day. And of course, the old man just flew back to Delaware for the weekend. So we're not going to see him for another three days. Um, and so yeah. there, there are all of these questions that are just easy. They're layups. And of course, you have yeah. the media not taking them. And as I said, hey... Now that we know who's all taken PPP loans, uh, you know, Ben Shapiro in California, who isn't the actual Ben Shapiro, and Charles Cook, who isn't the actual, and all of these people that just got hilariously just, you know, up this Uprox reporter who wrote a whole story on Ben Shapiro and didn't didn't think to, hey, look it up, and uh, just had to eat a ton of shit, thank God. But um, now that we've learned who's all taken out PPP loans, I'm curious about journalists and how much student debt they have. 
And, you know, they're, they're, I'd love to have a way to find out, you know, the journalists who are reporting on the story, how much do you stand to have waived and how many journalists are actually going to use this to waive their student loans? Yeah, for That's sure. Like I mean, the, the one... Go ahead. Yeah. I think the crazy thing is, in all three cases with the vaccine date, the rent moratorium, and this one, you had uh, prominent Democrat leaders before it went into place or he announced he was going to you know, postpone, they've all said in the past that he doesn't have the authority to do so. And then yep. six months later, he tries it anyways. So, Yeah, and, and of course, Pelosi backtracks and says, oh, now that we found it, yep. this is wonderful. And again, it's the fact that, our, again, we have you know, an, an out-to-lunch media who is for this policy and therefore they're not going to push too hard on it. And of course, I don't even think Nancy Pelosi's gotten that question. It's like you just said a year ago. I think even the Department of Education said they couldn't do this. They don't have the work. Mm-hmm. They don't have the legal standing to do it. But yep, he goes out and he does it anyway and says, "Here's this loophole in, in the in the Heroes Act," and therefore, oh, he, look, he did it. And there are there's I've seen Nora O'Donnell ask about how this is paid for, and I've seen, of course, Jackie Heinrichs uh, play good journalist. And beyond that, they're just uh, advocating their duty. And so. Like I said, I'd like to I'd like to see if there was a way to find out who actually applied and got student loans uh, waived, and, and who and, and how many of them currently work at Politico. Yeah, it'd be it'd be good to know. Uh, a, a last thing today, um, Kareem Jean Pierre, that Joe Biden knows how it feels because he also has a son that was a fallen service member. So the, yeah, he the, does that a lot. The, they always bring up Bo, which leads me to, with as much as they bring up Bo, it's funny that they never want to talk about Hunter. And now with uh, Ashley Biden's diary people getting uh, you know, charged for finding a, a lost diary where she, you know, she alleges she may or may not have taken showers with her father, uh, they never want to touch or comment on any of those uh, subjects. But I thought that I thought that that was interesting in the context today that Politico printed Nikki Haley's tax. Uh, yep. Where, where again we, we know these rules go one direction. I'm not. I thought it was funny that the people who were in possession of, of Biden's diary, or actually Biden's, diary, I don't know if it's Project Veritas or if it's the people, they go to the Trump campaign and Trump's like, take it to the FBI, and you just know that the media has no idea how to wrap their heads around that one. Like, mm-hmm. he was supposed to be the guy who was reaching out to Assange in Russia to, you know, bury Hillary. And here it is that he, he they, they get the diary that shows that Joe Biden possibly showering with her, which everybody believes, by the way, because we've seen this shit. Um, and well, the, that's the how it goes, like, right? It's basically Trump, like Trump an Atlantic article. Trump, Trump, yeah, the Trump campaign's like, no, we don't want that. Take that to the feds. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I mean, it sounds like um, something he'd do, so it must be true, right? Yeah, I mean, that's kind of... <laughs> I find, again, the lack of curiosity of, again, so Nikki Haley's taxes get... They're not hacked, but somebody got a hold of them, and they leaked the press, and the press ran it, and nobody's interested in the media of Hunter Biden's laptop or, or images or his emails or, again, the, the diary and the contents in it again, you would think would be newsworthy and it's just zero intellectual curiosity about it. And I don't know how big of a story that should be. 
But it's kind of like what Iowa Hawk says. Journalism is about covering stories with a pillow until it stops moving and stops breathing. And that's kind of everything that is is going on around Biden with this stuff. So, I mean, I, I don't I don't know. So yeah, nobody's taken more bullets for his dad's campaign than Bo Biden. So he's a hero. Yeah, that's, that's it is. There say. is totally. Yeah, the, I mean, the thing that people don't want to talk about is you just know, like that that Joe Biden's had that discussion with Hunter. I wish it was you, you know, instead of Bo who, who died or whatever. But yeah. Joe Biden loves to bring up Bo Biden as a fallen soldier. Bo Biden didn't die in combat. He didn't die in service. He died of a brain tumor, a brain aneurysm, and um, or brain cancer. And so he uses this a lot. And I'm again, this is one of these things where you see gold star families pipe up, and they go, "This is kind of offensive." You know, it's like he didn't die in combat. And so yes, he's you know he he's military, but that's not how he died of and. So he does that, and it's one of those things the media doesn't ever – it's similar to, to Jill is not a real doctor, but they never bring it up. Uh, we'll go Eric, Brandon, Jason, and we'll end with Samuel, who hopefully will give us good polling news or bad, depending on that. Um, so we'll just get through these last four. Like I said, casual, short, uh, just to wrap up the week. Eric, you're up. Either AMA or just thoughts on what you saw this week. Yeah, sure. Just a little bit about the, with the uh, student loan forgiveness. It's like – it's pretty infuriating just like I'm not a person who had to take out student loans or really like alter my lifestyle in my early 20s in order to avoid student debt. But so many of my friends did make major sacrifices in order to either pay their student loans off or to not have student debt to begin with. And and, and they're not like, you know, the uh, rank and file, you know, base republican either and they're like they're just saying what the fuck like what and uh and now they're hearing like the because <laughs> i chat with them and now they're hearing the sort of snarky you know like as you like the you guys have talked about the ppp loans or and <laughs> some of them are actually like small business owners and that had to take those out in order to keep their businesses alive and it, I like. I just really think that uh, the Dems really are underestimating how polarizing of an act this is. And uh, uh, I, I do too. I it is such a slap. In the, it's like, <coughs> oh shit! Excuse me. It's one of those things that <coughs> that um, average people can get behind because it wasn't just like Marjorie Taylor Greene who took out a loan. <coughs> you know. I just totally swallowed down the wrong tube. You're gonna have to take over, okay, Eric. No worries. Yeah, like, it, um, yeah, it just wasn't. Yeah, the it's average now, person. And... So have fun. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, I'll just ask another question um, while you're clearing your throat. And uh, I've been noticed on sort of the cultural front. I've been watching a little bit of NFL preseason football, and you know, I've been one of those, you know, unfortunate, like, you know way too serious about the <laughs> culture war about this, but like, I haven't watched a whole lot of NFL football ever since they put like, you know, the slogans on the helmets and the slogans in the end zone. And I've been noticing that, that the slogans in the end zones are gone, like at least during the preseason. I'm just wondering if like the NFL is like sort of slowly Homer Simpson into the bush, like, you know, slipping away from, 
the social justice sort of culture wars? I mean, you see it with anything where, you know, uh, like look at Spotify or, you know, they'll pull something and then two months later it returns or, you know, a company will make a stance and say, Hey, we're not doing business with X, Y, Z anymore because of, you know, don't say gay or something. And then they, they quietly do it a couple months later. This is kind of just how <clears throat> this thing always happens with these causes. They come out and they say, Hey, we're going to salute this. We're going to support this. We'll go to ever. And then, very quietly, they kind of stop doing it or vice versa. And I haven't watched enough of the preseason stuff to see if that's, that's true. I would take people's words for it. Um, I'm just not a preseason football person, and um, nobody's starting on my team anyway. So it's kind of like, eh. But maybe. It wouldn't surprise me. I mean, we saw that with, you know, Major League Baseball. Um we saw George W. Bush hit Manfred over moving the game, which was just awesome. That was funny. Um, so, I mean, we see that happen a lot where companies will come out and support the cause du jour. A couple months later, they'll just quietly under the radar stop doing it. Or, you know, someone who, I think who was it, Crosby, Stills, and Nasher, Neil Younger, whatever fucking boomer hippie act. You know, I'm pulling my money. I'm pulling my pro, my music off Spotify over Joe Rogan. And then a month later, their music's back on Spotify. And so it wouldn't shock me to see if that stuff is gone. I guarantee you if it is like at the end, racism stuff is, is out of the end zones. And if it's off the helmets, then I guarantee you our media is going to throw a shit fit over it. There's there somebody like a dead spin or the recount or the, you know, one of those websites or ESPN, they're going to say, see, they took it off. It doesn't matter anymore or, or something. So yeah, it wouldn't shock me, but that's just how the things go. And, uh, one last thing, I, I've been no, I noticed that um, that uh, the, the all the sort of Florida school board election sort of wave in Florida, and I've been sort of disappointed <laughs> in the Republican Party's like sort of like sort of just lack of uh, rudder when it comes. Do they seem rudderless the last few months? Like they don't really know what their messaging is, other than just inflation, and yeah. it just sort of seems that like they've they have like just a bevy of like 70% issues that they can just hammer Dems with. And they're just like, Nope, we're just going to hammer away at like some, at at one issue and just hoping that that drags them across the finish line. Yeah, I would agree with you, but again, I'm not, I'm not an election prognosticator. There's other people that do that, but um, especially in the last couple of weeks, I, I started looking at this and asking, like, what is your message? Like, it's like you said, inflation is a big one, but there is this just kind of generic Republican messaging happening. And you need to be looking at someone like how Glenn Youngkin won for, you know, in a blue state, in a close election with a, with a good, tough opponent, you know, with, with a name. And I would just be copying what he did. And like I said, it feels to me like the GOP isn't tapping into the righteous anger over lockdowns, school shuttings, parents, you know, being called domestic terrorists by teachers unions and the DOJ. That to me is where you hone in on, especially when a midterm election, when you need to, you need to, you know, I, I get that people argue culture war stuff isn't where it's at, but it's a midterm. You need to Jones people up here. And so 
like I said, if it's me, I'm tapping into that. I'm tapping. I'm I'm saying. I mean, every ad to me be remember. These are the people who you know kept your kid out of school. These are the people who listened to the teachers' unions over parents. These are the people who you know kept you locked out. These are the people who told you the virus would be over with, and it's not. Um, and then yeah, I would bring up inflation. You say you know you have four dollar gas, and they're you know telling you to go out and buy an electric car. And so these are the things that I would be hitting him on. And I, w- I would agree with you. And granted, I'm not paying attention to every ad or every race. Um, it, I mean, it kind of feels like J.D. Vance is going to bury Tim Ryan. That one feels like it's over. Um, Stacey Abrams is on her way out. And she's prim- pretty much on her way out because of that mask photo. That ended her political career. And, you know, that to me is where you have to hit. If I'm, if I'm Brian Kemp or whatever... I'm just running that photo. Fo- I'm putting that photo on billboards and I'm going to, and I'm going to win my race walking away. And so, yeah, obviously in Pennsylvania, maybe in Arizona, maybe in some of these other tighter races, it does just kind of feel like there's generic Republican messaging. But um, again, I, I kind of look at it and said, I, I, again, I feel like they're losing that anger that, that parents have, that people have. It's like, you tried to strap a mask on my kid's face for six months and I'm going to fucking make you pay for that. I mean, that to me is where they should be. And I don't know. It doesn't really feel like they're there. Yeah. Maybe it's one of those things that's going to be uh, just delayed as far as like people's kids not being able to take algebra one, their freshman year in high school, because they're two years behind in math. Yeah. That's the like, new one. Now uh, the new one is we're, we're not really seeing that there was uh too much speech delay and we're not really seeing that you know kids really lost that there wasn't any permanent damage we heard that from the david french right and it's just kind of like how insulting is that to people like i know two people personally whose whose kid is behind on who is experiencing speech delay and they're saying well isn't it because of masks and it's so fucking patronizing and that you still have randy weingarten out here saying this shit and again, she, to me, you're not run. You are running against Biden and inflation and stuff like that. But man, you need to put fucking Randy Weingarten front and center of this election. And now, and now you need to tie this PPP shit around their neck and say, "This is what they think of you, right here. This is this is what they think of you. That if you took a PPP loan, you can't you can't say anything about having to pay off some grad student student debt. And you know, you're a hypocrite. And I'm like, that's what they think of you." And to me, if I'm the GOP, I am tying that around every single candidate's neck. I'm tying it around Tim Ryan's neck. I'm tying it around Shotgun Frankenstein's neck. I'm tying it around, you know, uh, all of these people. I'm tying it around Raphael Warnock's neck, even even though I think George is gone. Um, Tying it around Mark Kelly's neck. All of them should have to say, hey, what do you think about this White House strategy of blaming people for taking PPP? Do you agree with that? And so, again, they, I do think that they need to kind of juice it up a little bit here. But, again, admittedly, yeah. I don't pay attention to every single race. But I get it. I, I get that you kind of see it's kind of like politics as usual, and it really isn't. It shouldn't be. Yeah. It's just uh, – yeah, I'll just end with this. Like, it, um, it, it just seems that, like, the left has – instead of being, like, the identity of, like – you know, this is maybe an old narrative, but the identity of, like, the working class individual it sort of seems like they've become their identity is that school marming like corporate hr or like college like phd activist and 
I, I just hope that the right can sort of take advantage of that shift. But anyways, thanks, Steve, for uh, the podcast this week. Sorry you had to. Sorry you lost that file. I uh, <laughs> I, I work in accounting, so like I, I, I'm with you. Where like I've worked on a spreadsheet for five hours, and then all of a sudden Excel crashes, and I just remember yeah. I forgot to save. Yeah. So. Yeah, totally. I, uh, so, I, my was, sympathies. yeah, it was my dumb error, and I just was like, uh, I thought I just thought about throwing myself headfirst off the balcony, but uh, we got, yeah, but we got through it, so it's good. It was the only technical glitch I had. Uh, I'm going to take Brandon, Jason, and Samuel. Uh, I'm going to end on Samuel. So uh, anyone who's behind Samuel, I'm going to remove from the queue, but I'll probably be back here Monday. So hold on to your thoughts, Brandon. Go ahead. Hey, Stephen. I just wanted to uh, posit the idea that this demand for student loan forgiveness is not going to go away until President DeSantis or somebody else uh, just completely disbands the Department of Ed. Uh, the Department of Ed did not exist until, I believe, the late 1970s. The Carter administration just kind of cobbled it together to, I don't know, for, for more government jobs or something. And we'd already... Uh, um, develop nuclear energy and put a man on the moon uh, not too long before that. So I don't see what the, what, what the demand was for to have a federal department of education. And uh, one of the biggest mistakes that Reagan made during his presidency was that um, he hired the ultra competent Bill Bennett to run the department of ed. So instead of dying, it flourished, excuse, excuse me. And it eventually turned into a giant bank that decided to lend trillions of dollars to people in their late teens and early 20s with essentially zero underwriting standards. I mean, the, the underwriting standards for getting a, a, a federal student loan are you have to be, or you're 18 or older, you have a high school diploma or, G, or GED, and you have a pulse. So if you can meet those three criteria, hey, here's $10,000 or $15,000 for, for your, your first year of college. And, you know, to be fair, they, they have some safeguard mechanisms where if you're not making satisfactory academic progress, you go on probation and they cut your money off. But, you know, by that time, you can be in over 10 grand of debt pretty easily, depending on where you go to school. So, yeah, and it, it's the lack of underwriting standards is, is the biggest problem in, from, from what I've seen professionally. Um, they, they just don't care. They'll, they'll, they'll let people in, you know, and the colleges are complicit with this too. They'll, 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 they'll let in students into nursing programs who can't do basic algebra. You know, they'll let people into general studies programs who have trouble writing in complete sentences. They don't look at high school transcripts. They don't look at uh, standardized test scores, none of that. And I think the solution to this is well, to- well, see, that's, back- that's also discrimination now. We can't do that <laughs> yeah. with equity. It's inequitable, yes. Uh, I, I think the solution to this is to just give the uh, the lending ability back to the private banks. They can compete with each other for lower for the lowest interest rates, and uh, they actually have a skin in the game. That's the important part: is that they're not going to make loans to someone with a one point nine GPA in high school. They're 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 going to they're going to um, they're they're going to discriminate, unfortunately. But you kind of have to do that to have a functioning educational system. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to hold my breath for the abolishment of any department, you know, in as much as because, I mean, I've just been around spawn. They've been, they've been talking about doing that since Rick Perry couldn't get his shit straight on the stage. Um, they're just, they're, I, I, I mean, ironically, the guy who you would have thought would have done it was Trump and he didn't. So, you know, that's, an, that's another thing he has to be held to account for. It's like he talks about wanting to go back. Now we're really going to drain the swamp. Really? 
are you? You know, no, you had a four-year term. You could have gone in and just said, Department of Education's gone. Sorry, sorry see ya. And, uh, you know, uh, so may- maybe you get heavy Ronnie D gets in there and, and does that to the shrieks of the media and stuff like that. But I uh, just, I, I think they look at it and say, we're going to install our people and reform it. And that's the way to go. And, of course, that never happens. I mean, obviously, DeVos getting rid of Title IX was good, but then Biden just comes in and reinstates it and things like that. So mm. I, I think it's a good talking point. Of course, the natives will, will buy that. But I just, I'm not going to hold my breath on this one. I, like I said, I think, I think the way if you have Congress is you just, you just start taxing the shit out of college endowments, basically. And as I said on my podcast, I saw a great joke tweet where someone said, you know, dump three times more debt into the colleges and then make the, uh, the administrator for diversity, equity, and inclusion have to pay for some of it. Yeah, <laughs> that's and that's uh, the, the, the yeah. I mean, I, I guess I'm 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 way too optimistic in thinking that the Department of Ed will actually go away. But I mean, you you can't take away or curtail their 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 lending abilities or to perhaps reform their lending abilities so that they have actual underwriting standards and they're not letting in you know people with junior high level educations into higher ed because then it effectively ceases to be higher ed in any meaningful sense. Right, but now you're being racist, Brandon. Yeah, I know. It's that's you know? the unfortunate world that we live in. Yeah, and, and you know, and it's it's getting to the point where the government has inflated the higher ed bubble to such an extent that it's becoming an economic it's it's becoming a drain on the economy. It's been a drain yep. on the economy for about a decade now. Yep. And uh it's something's going to have to happen at some point and I just, you know, I I I think that you know basically starving the beast is the way to do it. And I, I feel that's going to mean that these schools are going to have to lay off. And that's, that's, I, I, I don't have much, um, you know, I, I don't care so much about the DEI um, administrators who are making six figures to peddle BS over there. But, um, you know, unfortunately there are some departments that are going to go under and I, I don't want people to lose their jobs, but I also don't want our economy to crumble. I'm okay. I'm okay with the right people losing their jobs. <laughs> I, I, I fully admit that. I have no problem admitting that. Yeah. Well, that's all I had, Stephen. Uh, you have a good weekend, and I'll talk Cheers. to you later. Cheers. Thanks, Brandon. Good thoughts. Uh, we'll go Jason and Samuel here. Jason, give me your thoughts on the week uh, or just any random topic that you want. We're just doing it easy on Friday here. Oh, just two quick hits. One, I'm just excited that the phrase some folks is back in all of our vocabularies. I have missed that from Obama. <laughs> God, great job, Pierre. Well, some folks are hurting, and that's why we have to dump, you know, $300 billion on your heads, because some folks are hurting. You know, folks are hurting out there, and it's like, aren't you running the best economy? She said, like, her quote was, this is the best economy in in modern history. And it's like, so now you got to forgive student loans? And she said, well, both things can be true. And, uh, yeah, that's like, that's, I'm listening to her i'm i think it's great what jackie heinrichs was questioning her because she kept her on the hook but yeah that's the one that makes me just want to go boil my face and the other one is that uh the fact that george hw bush praised anthony fauci all those years back really does mean that the reagan administration developed aids to kill gay people (laughs) uh well it's a good thing colin's pretty good on like you know content and stuff like that um, yeah, yeah, I, oh God, I'm, I'm done with Fauci. I'm, I'm bored. I'm even bored. I, I, I got, we got our, we got our calculations for the catapult. So 
Um, as far as I'm concerned, we can just fire him into Virginia and be done with it. Um, it, it looking back on him is going to be interesting in, in the sense of he's going to write a memoir where he's going to, you know, make himself the main character and they'll probably commission it for a movie. And um, we're going to have to go through all of that. But again, that this is someone whose legacy is, it's not of a medical expert. It's of a bureaucrat and going, you know, going again all the way back through the AIDS thing to Ebola, to H1N1, to obviously his work with the, with the defense department and gain a function of concern and how that all fed into Wuhan is, you know, it's the thing that frustrates me is all that stuff probably comes out, but it comes out five years too late like all of this stuff does. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, getting praised by Fauci getting praised. Well, they'll use that. And it wasn't George W. Bush who gave him a, a medal or there's gave him a, a congressional medal of honor or whatever the hell they do for the citizens award. Um, and so they'll use that. So, oh, he's bipartisan and, Whatever, and of course you have you know I don't want to say establishment media figures, but both on the left and the right praising him. When you know I, I have a skeptical view of anyone with his amount of power to start off with. He kind of has to convince me, and he had me for a while, and then he lost me. Well, that's what happens. All right, have a good weekend. Thanks, Jason. Samuel, take us home for the weekend. You're the last caller, uh, and then we can all uh, get out of here and try try to enjoy the wreckage of this week. Amen. Uh, so I did just want to provide a quick update about the, um, student loan bullshit that's going on. So I went and so, looked. Uh, so my- first of all, for people who weren't here a couple days ago, explain. So Samuel said he's, he's, he is, he's against it, but he's going to take the, the, the bailout or whatever you want to call it. And he's gone to the, and he said he was going to go to the website and actually start to do this. And so, I told him to update us, so Samuel, go ahead and give us the update. Yeah, so I got to experience the pleasure of going onto government websites, which always just makes you feel really good when they look like it's from 1990. Um, So I went on my servicer for my debt, and they had the announcement posted on their website, and I clicked the link, and that took me to studentaid.gov, and it basically just lists the uh, press release that went out ahead of time um, before his little press conference where it just goes through all the stuff. And this one always makes me feel good. Um, I was reading the, what do I need in order to receive loan forgiveness? And it says, if the U S department of education doesn't, Oh wait, no, basically it says that they already have your income data. Like 90% of people, they already have your income data. And like, I know the IRS has it, but it's like, Jesus Christ, you know, they just have all of our fucking information and it's kind of terrifying. But basically, the only, we really don't have to do anything to apply for this. The only thing we have to do is if they do not have our income data, there will be a site that goes live where you can submit your income data um, for them to verify that you're under the 125000 a year. And that that application should be live before December 31st. Now, I did just see like a, uh, I forgot, he's somebody at WAPO. He says they, he thinks it's going to be online before the end of October. But first of all, beautiful bureaucracy. You would think that if you're walking this thing out, you would have it ready to go. But that application does not go live for at least another 
month or two, it sounds like. And so, yeah, I was, I was basically right. You can just get this without doing anything at all. You don't even have to submit your uh, income data unless they don't have it on file. And then I'm curious, it doesn't talk about what income information it's asking for. So if I just put in my salary is $50,000, is that good enough? Or do I have to like submit like a W2 or W4 or something? So not a lot of information here. And then I, the other thing, there is a link to go to the Department of Education subscription page so that they can send you an email when the thing goes live. So like this information is on like four different websites and really doesn't provide any more information than what Biden provided as press conference, which was nothing. He did. He gave the URL. It was like PSFL.gov or some shit. It was initials. Yeah, that one's the uh, public service forgiveness pro uh, public service loan forgiveness program. Okay. So you're a college grad and you go work, um, you know, within the bureaucracy. Uh, though, uh, you can just work and pay off it that way, which again is another really nice thing that we have where it's like, Oh, you want to come work for the IRS? We'll cut, we'll pay off your debt. And it's like, I think we should kill that program. Shouldn't really be able to just go take a public sector job. So they'll pay off your debt and continue to increase the bureaucracy. It's like, I'm not a huge fan of that. Uh, I mean, but that's again, who Joe Biden is. He's a, he's a big spending you know, generic D uh, establishment Democrat who, you know what, if you, if you have $25 in your mattress, they're going to find it. And that's who he is. And that's who he's always been. Yeah. Yeah. So like I said, I hope it gets killed, but, and I, I think it will get killed, but yeah. So then I saw the thing that he, uh, the, the WAPO reporter tweeted, was that he expects this site to like verify your income to go live sometime in October. And then he said that they expect the debt wipeouts to come between four and six weeks after that. Um, so it's like... Oh, right in right, time for the election. Yeah, it sounds like it's right around the election, which is just, you know, curious timing. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's why he did it. He need. He's, you know, there was, God, what was the poll? Like, so it was, it was, it was either Wash Post or it was somebody, I don't think it was Silver, who just showed, like, how much of the base is college-educated white women. And they, even Nate Silver's out here just going, like, yeah, this clearly looks like a way to get them interested in the midterms. Or <laughs> someone just said it, like, it's so just, again, it's just so nakedly cynical that you know, it takes your breath away. Yeah, and when you were talking earlier about getting the GOP base out to vote, man, I'd be hammering the fuck out of this. This would be, I would be doing, I would be doing more now on the PPP because that's somewhere that hit everybody. I mean, not everyone, but people who had businesses or people who had employees. And now you have this administration, you know, saying we're just doing this to dunk on you. I would be, I would be cutting those ads right now. Yeah. And like, if you look at Yunkin, when, where, where Yunkin won, did he claw some ground back in the, in the uh, suburbs? Yes. But really, it was he juiced the rules more than even Trump did. Like, he got more turnout in rules than Trump was able to. So I'm that's where I'm going, is that there are still white, working-class 
people you can get out to vote even more than already do for the Republicans. And it's like, man, I can already tell you just anecdotally that, you know, it's just Facebook. But I can tell you that people that I know are livid about this, that they are just not happy at all. And again, I have some liberal friends in there. Oh, my God, this is the best thing ever. Screw them. Who cares what they think? You should just go and hammer this repeatedly that your tax dollars are now going to pay for their degrees and that you didn't go to college and you pay off your debt and just hammer that into the ground. Between that, inflation, gas prices are probably going to start going up in the next month or so. I would assume I could be wrong. But I just think, you know, usually when it gets colder and diesel going back up, it's like, man, right. you there's not a lack of issues to hit. So no. you really don't have an excuse for Herschel Walker to go out there and attack trees or something. You know, we <laughs> just stay away from that topic. We don't need to talk about how trees. about how about we get Herschel Walker and Fetterman to debate and then have like a wrestling match. <laughs> <laughs> like Trump can sponsor it. Like you can do, you can go back to the old like WrestleMania days. So we'll do, we'll do like an in-ring debate. We'll have them try to name shapes, you know, <laughs> hold this up. What shape is this? And, you know, and Herschel Walker, Herschel Walker goes, that's a tree. And then, then we can have like a 20 minute wrestling match. I mean, we're headed that way anyway. So I'm still reasonably confident that Walker can win just because of Kemp. But man, like some of the stuff that like they attack him on the left attacks him on. I'm like, all right, that's just kind of bullshit. Nobody really cares. But I read the tree comment and I'm just like, what the hell are you doing? What are you doing? I mean, it may take. And, and I, I'm not one of those where I go like full Tom Nichols and say, punish the GOP. And they're, they're going to they're gonna need to lose everything in order to, you know, reorder their house. But, and I'll probably write this piece if if Oz and Walker lose and the Senate's tied or they lose the Senate because of it, I'm going to sit there and wonder what is it going to take for you people to stop listening to Donald Trump's celebrity apprentice candidates? Like, and, what is it going to take? Is this enough? Losing the Senate twice? Is that, you know, because it really it really is. It really is just fucking Trump handpicked and Walker and Oz are handpicked by Trump. He's the guy who was the driving force behind both of them. And they are. They're, they're two guys that should just be on the fucking apprentice and not running for Senate. And, and Oz may win, and Oz is a smart guy, and I get it, but they really are Trump's hand-picked apprentice Senate candidates. And if they lose, I guess that's when I shrug and just go, okay, are we done now? Are you done letting this fucking guy, you know, troll the D-list of celebrities to, you know, you know, we need Stephen Baldwin in, in Utah. No, we don't, you know. <laughs> We, well, we need, we need Pauly Shore in Oklahoma. No, you don't. I mean, so, I mean, but I mean, maybe, maybe they pull it yeah. out. Herschel Walker in the Senate for four years. It would be fucking hilarious. I can't it, it, in a, know. in a enjoy the warmth from the flames kind of way. That dude getting up to the podium to say shit would just be unbelievable. It would just be, it would be just perfect entertainment. Yeah. He's <laughs> like, something if he gets in there and I, I can't really fault him on Walker. Just because even McConnell got behind Walker, like Doug yeah. Collins said he wouldn't run, which I think he would have been the easy choice. That is, and this is what I want to talk about, the one misstep of Brian Kemp's governorship was appointing Kelly Loeffler to that open Senate seat. 
Now, again, I do blame Trump for losing those Georgia Senate elections, but Loeffler was a horrible candidate, just trash. So, and then Doug, so Doug Collins ran against her um, in that open, in that primary, but Loeffler won because of Kemp. And then she ended up losing. And I think Collins was the obvious choice. And he bowed out and said he wouldn't run. There was nobody else in Georgia to run. The bench down there does not seem to be very deep, or at least people were not wanting to take on Trump in a primary. So maybe that was it. And then, you know, I know people don't like McCormick because, you know, he's establishment and he's rich. Dude would have won walking away against Fetterman. I still, and again, I still think Oz wins, but McCormick was a slam dunk That's because choice. Fetterman can't walk. <laughs> Yeah, I, I still think Oz, if they get on the debate stage, will wipe the floor with him um, just because he can't talk, and that's the end of that. Um, Oz, but Oz my, should my go up about on a debate stage and, like, shine a little medical flashlight in his eyes. Like, he's giving him an exam. <laughs> like, people think I'm – like, this. everyone complained about that thing with Oz. And then you saw the Fetterman Twitter account go, how dare him – and I thought, no, 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 you don't get to do that. This Twitter account that's been hailed for its trolling of Oz, and some of it's been okay and some of it's been good. I doubt how effective it is. Um, but suddenly it just goes, dear me, that's off limits. I, and I, I'm kind of like, I don't think that this is off limits. You can't, you don't go after him and say, you know, like Nelson, ha ha, like you got a stroke, but you, you should be up there going, you know, dude. You're 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 going out in the open for five minutes of sunlight a day, and we're going to blast this all over the place until you show up somewhere. And I think it's fair game. You're running for the Senate here. This isn't running for student council. And like I said, I mean, I said in a tweet today, like it sucks that he had a stroke. That he should not be in this race. He should have bowed out. He didn't because apparently his wife really wants to be senator. And so if he's gonna if he's gonna stay in this shit, then yeah, I think all of it's fair game, all of it. That's, that's yeah. They should they should be walk. They should just be fucking following him around everywhere. Like they should have one dude in a medical coat, like with shock paddles, just in case. And then they should have a few villagers with torches, and then they should have a black jogger just following around to his campaign <laughs> events. Yeah. That oh my god! I, I don't even get his attack though. It was like if he would have eat more vegetables, he wouldn't have had. He wouldn't be dying or something. It was like a really like kind of clunky attack, and it came out like in an official press release. It right. wasn't even like that's an, why that's why I would have I would have changed it up a little bit, and I would have said I, he's I, a like I, said, I would have said the only. Ve- it's funny that John Fetterman's making fun of my crudita. Because the only vegetable he's ever been around lately is the one he sees in the mirror. Or I would have made it more clever. Something. That's yeah, it. He was like, if he doesn't eat broccoli, he's gonna die. And it's like, dude, it is Pennsylvania. They, like, they like they put is a, they put you know he's a snake oil salesman, but he was they, a dog. They put like, mayonnaise on their salad in in Pennsylvania. They eat some crazy shit up there. So I don't know how well that attack goes. Yeah, and then just like the last thing is like this whole. I wonder if we're sleeping on Brian Kemp, Brian Kemp in 2024, not that he could win a primary, but like nobody even mentions him potentially running. And I'm like, uh, I think that that's because of Trump. I think, and, I think a guy running for a governor where P- 
people in the state who, even though they like Trump or whatever, but people in the state are like, dude, shut up. He's a good governor, you know? And so they vote. Yeah. Right? They're like, no, shut up. We like him. That's different. I mean, than, that's different than him, you know, entering the Thunderdome on a national stage where Trump will just not shut up about him and he, he, he won't get above 4%. So maybe. I don't know. He, I, I would argue that Youngkin, I would argue Youngkin has better chances than Kemp. And, you know, I think people are sleeping on him a little bit. But again, I think it's even just too early to even go there. But maybe. Oh, and like, I'm not even saying he'd win. I'm just saying, like, nobody mentions him even, like, potentially running. And I'm like, remember, Brian Kemp was the first one to reopen. He reopened before DeSantis. Uh, uh, He was was attacked by Trump for reopening. He got attacked by Trump. And he just, I mean, he wiped the floor with Purdue like nothing you've seen. Like, nobody thought Purdue was going to get 25%. Everyone was like, ah, you know, he'll get like 30, 35, maybe 40. I mean, he got 25%. And it's like, this guy is as conservative as we want. And, I mean, he kind of was like the first one to like, you know, really defeat Trumpism within the party. And nobody even gives him a second look. And it's like, I wonder if Brian Kemp would be acceptable to David French. Because we already know that Ron DeSantis isn't like that. That would be he's already working. That would be a good him. question. If, if does he condemn Trump hard enough? You no. know, like no, 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 no. You might have you might have not gone along with his election shit, and you might have liked da da da. But then again, you have you you were in favor of his wall. So I just don't know. Yeah, and I mean, like I'm not a white hot rage when I see a David French tweet. But when Asteric or like when Jeff is dunking on you and all of these like Charlie Cook is dunking on you. Like oh, when yeah. No, it was that, that thing the other night was like all the pragmatists going, dude, you've lost the plot. <laughs> like, exactly. Like I was like, I was so surprised. I was like, look, obviously you're going to have your magazine. I mean, including I myself, I, I had I had a couple of goes at him over that stuff. Like I, I couldn't believe this, you know. Kids were damaged, but do we know how much damage permanently they were? And it's like, they fucking all have diabetes now. Like, like suicide's pretty permanent there, David. Yeah, <laughs> I, I couldn't believe that tweet. Just It wasn't even like anti-DeSantis. It was pro-Fauci. Yeah. And it's like, what the hell? Yeah, I mean, he's also like, defended Francis Collins a lot in the past and thinks he's a great man because he thinks Francis yeah, Collins because- is a great Christian. Francis yeah, Collins engaged some of that same fucking bullshit over COVID. And Francis Collins has to answer questions over gain of function in Wuhan as well. And nope, I'm retired. See you later. And, you know, David's just off. He's wrong on this. We could go back in time. And, you know, I, I think part of that is because Fauci was attacked just strictly by Trump people because the media held Fauci up as Trump's opponent. And so you had a section of media that came in and said, you know, like Hannity would come in and be like, Fauci needs to go or whatever. But you also had a subsection of the right who was like, let's just listen to him. He knows what he's talking about, whatever. And then over time, his contradictions piled up and his quotes piled up and stuff like that. And then, of course, the email release comes out where he's saying two different things. That's where that's where people just go. Yeah, we're done. <laughs> like put somebody else out there like we're, we're done with this guy. And so to sit there and still act like he is, you know, a holy ginger saint isn't going to work. And, you know, you, you might have a harder time being let back in the door with the political right 
go, you know, endorsing Fauci than you are going against Trump, because I don't think anybody wants that guy ever again. He needs to be catapulted very gently across the Potomac River. Yeah, I, I was very pleased to see the amount of people going after him on that and him just like acting. You know, he was doing his typical David French, you know, why is everybody attacking me? You know, little replies to people. And it's just like, dude, come on. Like, I, I just, I, it's even like the worst never Trump people. I don't know if their brains were as broken. I think that they were just like heartless mercenaries who will do whatever. I think that he's like the one guy who legitimately has had his brain broken. Like, it just, the the DeSantis thing, yeah, you know, it's, it's not everybody's cup of tea. And I, I will mention, I couldn't believe how much he sounded like Trump saying that clip. Like, I actually thought it was Trump when I first heard it, just because it sounded exactly like him. Like, and I'm not a big DeSantis Trump guy at all, but it's But he's still like not Trump, is the point. No, and no, that's, exactly. that's the problem those guys are going to run into, which is, again, as I said, that this is going to be the biggest problem, you know, like the Liz Cheney coalition, because Liz Cheney's not going to have a shot. So if Donald Trump really is the unique generational threat to the republic they say he is, then you should be lining up against whatever option is the best one to stop him. And then when one presented itself, they all just go, no, I don't like that. Or no, I'm not going to support that. And so then we just basically go, well, then we know you're not serious and we know you're in this for something else. So Samuel, I'll give you last word to wrap up. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I would just agree with that. And I don't really have anything else other than don't get too doomer about the polls until after Labor Day. Then we can all start freaking out. But the Biden bump in approval, it's just Democrats coming home right before an election, which is what everybody was predicting and is happening. So I wouldn't get too doomer about it until we start seeing independents breaking for Biden. Everybody just needs to calm down. And the special elections are just highly educated uh, you know, urban areas that are, or suburban areas that are coming out and voting, where in other areas you're seeing different special elections. So I think everybody just needs to calm down, take a couple weeks off, and then see what happens after Labor Day. So, all right, have I'm a at good least weekend. Take two days off. So I'll take your advice on. That. <laughs> all right, good to hear from you, Samuel. Um, where was it? We can we catapult Samuel after he gets his. Loan forgiveness. Okay, we can talk about that. I'm going to need Samuel's height and weight. Um, wrapping it up, I saw a couple people trying to join the queue. As I said, I was going to just take Samuel. So uh, I do this once or a couple times a week. So those of you who are new in here that try to join the queue, just hold on to those thoughts. And uh, uh, I generally try to send out a notice a few hours ahead. So this was just kind of a casual wrap up the week. Uh, a broken bruise because we just got $300 billion injected into our veins again so um, again as usual thanks to the people who called again thanks to you guys for listening we're actually bumped up now to the second highest uh show here on call-in just behind brianna joy um and i, I don't think we're gonna beat her she, she does call in like 25 times a week or something like that but um that's again due to you guys you guys pop in you listen you give good thoughts so people want to engage the show so again thanks to all of you guys for making this uh, highly rated up there again. So 
Uh, I will be back on Patreon on Tuesday. You can feel free, obviously, to leave comments for me over there over the weekend. Any story ideas I'm always for. And like I said, I'm going to maybe try to be back here Monday uh, to do one of these here. So again, thanks everyone. Enjoy your weekends. Enjoy your Friday nights. And uh, always remember to eat your cereal with a fork. Cheers.